Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. We have been hoping to have Ryan Lowe as our special guest this week, but unfortunately Ryan couldn't make it. We hope to have him on the show next week instead. So it's to the tried and trusted front two of Chris Errington and Jack Ball to reflect on Saturday's superb 2-1 win over Bradford City. Hiya chaps. Hello. Hello Stu. Um, Jack's promised to do his best Ryan Lowe impression yeah. for us, Stu. So, um, and I've been giving him some tips of how to speak <laughs> Scouts. So, Jack, I, no, I cannot do the stage is all yours. <laughs> I would not like to embarrass myself more than I already have working here at times, <laughs> doing random, mainly on the fantasy football podcast when we did that. So, no, I think that's better for everyone if I give that a miss. All right, okay. All right, so, we're not, not going to get away with it. We'll do I, that did one. See, I did see Ryan after the game on Saturday, and um, yeah, you can't make it this week, but we're, we're very hopeful and confident we'll be able to arrange it soon so um, we'll let you all know and it'll be one of those where we'd like to get as many questions as possible yeah. from you the listeners that we can relay to our uh, to Ryan so rather than us asking him our questions um, it'd be great to get as much feedback from you as possible but like I say we'll keep everyone posted won't you Steve? absolutely we will and I know a lot of people have sent in questions already which yep. of course we're very grateful for and mm-hmm. I will keep those to one side and uh Set them back for Ryan next week. Hopefully next week. If yeah, all goes indeed. according to plan, yeah. No doubt he's a very happy man after Saturday's result, though. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's November's turned out to be a good month for Argyle. If you think that not long ago, they, they lost to Exeter at the end of October. And I'm sure we spoke on the podcast, didn't we, Stu, about September. And they got Bolton mm. away, Forest Green away, Bradford coming up. And you think, crikey, that's a tough run of games uh, that they're, they're faced with. And they've won all three of them. And I, I thought on Saturday, Jack uh, against Bradford, apart from perhaps what the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, they played pretty well, didn't they? I think in the first half, Argyle were by far the better team. They were playing some nice, attractive football. Um, you know, before the Forest Green game, the managers have both been saying it'll be a great game, two good attacking teams, and it ended up being quite scrappy. But I think this lived up to the pre game hype of some attractive football in the first half. It's always a relief when you, your team can get an early goal. Largo did that in five minutes, and the second one wasn't that much much later. Um, so that was that was great. And yeah, Chris is right. In the second half, as you would expect from a team of Bradford, who are doing very well in the League Two, um, came out and were the better team, I'd say, for the first 15, 20 minutes. But then Argyle, as he considered a goal, then Argyle got back on top um, and looked most like getting a third goal, I'd say, toward, towards the end of the game. Um, and they saw it out, but you're, Chris is quite right three wins out of Bolton, Forest Green and Bradford. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. or And we would have probably taken six, four, six points out of that. So to get nine is sensational. Absolutely. Although the first game was an FA Cup game. <laughs> 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 oh, but can, yeah. can we start again now? <laughs> yeah. We take your point though, Jack. Three, three fantastic wins. wins. Yeah. yeah, And Chris is right. We did speak, speak about that after the Exeter mm. game and yeah. you know just how difficult those games were going to be. So um, as you say, three wins, perfect response from that derby game. It, it is. Um, it's amazing. You get a little bit of momentum, a bit of confidence. I think, you know, without dwelling on the Exeter game too long, I can tell that Ryan Lowe doesn't really want to sort of go down this conversational path with the reporters, but you can't help but say to him, well, you know, eight, last eight league games, four wins, three draws, one glaring, obvious blip, call it what you will. And it does make you wonder that perhaps Argyle's mindset that day wasn't where it should have been to take on Exeter in a big Devon derby. But... You know, draw a line under it, move on. What is impressive is that the, 
I, I remember at St James's Park after the game that the Argyle players got some fearful stick mm. from the fans mm. after the game. They were not happy, and rightly so. And it's one of those that could have been a tipping point in the season. You know, the players could have, you know, could have caved in, could have crumbled after that. But fair play to them. They've come back. They've got a point to prove. And bar one, you know, unfortunate own goal that Noel Canavan conceded on Saturday. Defensively, they're, they're so much better. The, the defence that let four goals in against Exeter, and it could have been six, seven, whatever you want that day, to then have the sort of defensive record they have had in recent games against, you know, two of the top teams in, in League Two, um, you know, is, is, is testament to the work they've been obviously been doing on the training ground. So, yeah, big steps. But, you know, like we, Stu and I were saying earlier today, you know, this League Two division is just so, so unpredictable, unpredictable, isn't it? Again, you look at results this weekend, you look at what's going on. Who's going to end up in the top three at come the end of the season? I, I honestly haven't got a clue. It's, it's funny as well, after we spoke last week, that Argyle, every game Argyle have won has been with a clean sheet, but on Saturday, yes. yeah. it's the first game they've won this season when they've conceded a goal. <laughs> and again, it's just another sign that the character I think is quite good of the team at the moment you know and Chris is right they've got a lot of stick after that Exeter, Exeter game but they've shown a lot of character to come back and the best way to do your talking as a player is on the pitch, on the pitch and, and they've done that and for me one of the reasons they've done that is I think Josh Grant who got quite a lot of stick has done well in that defensive midfield position they've kept the same back back view and, it, and it's paying dividends I think you've got to give Ryan Lowe credit as well you know I mean as you say there was an awful lot of things said after that Exeter game He's obviously worked on some things on the training round. One of those key things being putting Josh Grant into midfield, and they they seem to have really seem to have you know almost shored that leaky mm. defence up to an extent. It's it's made a big difference, and Joe Edwards has gone to right wing back and has has, has done well there and flourished there and scored on Saturday against Bradford. Bradford, you know the the goal if if you recall was Joe Edwards closing down the goalkeeper, so actually right wing back the furthest player up the pitch in the centre of the penalty area, closing down the Bradford goalkeeper. And then, having done that, he's then made himself, uh, got himself into a position where he, he could receive the first pass from Joel Grant to then go on and score. And um, you look at Callum McFadden's got five goals this season as a wing-back. Joe Edwards has got three goals as a wing-back this season. And that's the sort of Ryan, Ryan Lowe way, isn't it? The, the wing-backs are, have scored more goals than the strikers have this season. And what I also, sorry, I was going to say, what I also like at the moment is they're mixing it up a bit more in terms of they're not playing out yes. in the back every single Definitely. time. You know, before they were doing that every single time Palmer got the ball, it was rolled out to Wooten or it was rolled out to Canavan, they'd pass it to Joe Edwards, undoubtedly then he'd be pressurised, he would then pass it back. And that's still happening occasionally, but... It's not every time, so they're becoming less predictable, and I think that's another reason why they've improved. And that's obviously something that Ryan Lowe's now changed in his, in his planning. Something else we spoke about earlier was um, the fact that the goals are being shared around. Mm. You know, we keep talking about 20 goal a season strikers, and even Ryan Lowe's been talking yeah. about that himself. Yeah. But if you share the goals around amongst the team, you don't really don't need one. And Jack, you made the point to me earlier on that our goal of never really done well when they've had that 20 goal a season striker. Definitely more recent years. the same recent years. I mean, I, I don't know how, how if you go much further back, but Ruben Reid, two successive seasons, scored 20 plus goals and Argyle didn't get promoted. Mm-hmm. I think if you can have a team that share the goals, it must be harder for the opposition to mark because you're marking one person and someone else has got the ability to score goals. And we've spoken about Anthony Sarsovic having a good season, which I know we'll speak more about in a bit, but I think part of the reason of that is because people are marking Mare so much. So he's had more time, space, and he's just as capable as mm. it's McFadden on the wing, Riley and the strikers. So I, I, it must be hard for an opposition manager because they don't just have one key man, they're all chipping in and that's what you need. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of Sarsovich, then, um, again, I asked you when we came into work today, Jack, you know, who stood out for you? And you just said Sarsovich again. You just feel he's playing the best. He's, he's arguably played since joining Argyle. Yeah, consistently, I'd say so. You know, he's shown in glimpses what he can do. Um, but this season, to be keeping out George Cooper at the moment, which he is, who we all know how talented George Cooper is. He's come in and was, through Chris's ratings, player of the month for se- October. October, yep. And he's keeping him out, and rightly so at the moment. You know, And if Danny Mayer was to get injured for a week or something again and George Cooper came in, then at the moment, Sarsovic would be keeping Co- uh, Mayer out as well. He, he's done fantastically. Um, he's, he's always, he's, he did okay last season, but he's getting forward much better now. He's having, he's having that ability to run forward and he's striking the ball at goal more often. And I know Derek Adams always wanted him to try and score more goals. And whether that's, this is because of Ryan Lowe, the style of football it is working and it's suiting his game. And yeah, I'd say this is the best he's been since we signed him. I think it's an interesting point you make about um, playing with Danny Mayer and maybe teams are doubling up on Danny Mayer to create that space for Sarsovic. You know, and that's that's the key to it. If there is a player that's going to get double marked, you've got to find that space elsewhere. And Argyle seems to be doing that with Sarsovic, and he seems to be really thriving at the moment. And that happened on Saturday, didn't it, Chris? I mean, mm. Mayer got the ball quite a few times, and every time he took a shot, it got blocked. Mm. He doesn't get hardly any space in the whole game, and it must be frustrating for mm. him. But the fact he's got teammates that can make up for that is, is, is great. Well, the thing is, other teams have now got to look at that and think, well, hang mm. on a minute, if we double up on him, then Sarsovic is going to do this to us. So. Yeah, if you've got wing-backs who are scoring goals reasonably consistently and you've got Sarsovic pop, popping up with goals, at some point in time, you're going to have to take your focus away from Danny Mayer because you've got to try and stop the other people as well. So that's where Danny Mayer's maybe, you know, he's got one goal this season, which I think we all expected he'd have more goals and more assists. Mm but he is still contributing to the team success because he is taking up valuable opposition resources and, and freeing up um, his teammates. You know, Sarsavet, I think, has been really good in, in the player ratings that we do. He was the runner-up to Will Ameson in September. He was the runner-up to George Cooper, as Jack said, in October. And then he's won the November ones. We've already done the November ones because our goal's next game is December the 1st. So I think, you know, consistently this season, he's, he's had a high level of performance. And it was interesting talking to him after the Forest Green Rovers game when he scored the winning goal. And uh, you can tell he is a, a, man, a man on a mission to get Argyle back promoted. You know, he was part of the, the squad that was relegated. And, you know, without going over old ground, it was a needless relegation last season. And it, he clearly feels... A, a responsibility to do all he can to get back Argyle back up uh, into League One and I think his performances are, are showing that he's, he's very motivated at the moment he's got everything you want as well he's got the attacking flair but he's got the grit and he's got the he can, he can put a tackle in he can run around a lot and he had a shot on Saturday as well that looked like it was going in and it just didn't and that, that again shows the confidence you know Joel Grant was getting a lot of goals in a spell earlier in the season every sort of shot he had seemed to go go in and Sarsavik is having some wonderful strikes at goal at the moment so he's just a joy to watch and it's, and it's great for the fans to see someone with that much passion that flows through him and, it, and it's great yeah uh, Dazza Drew noted that the Argyle defenders didn't win many headers on Saturday against uh, smaller players than them he's asking do Argyle need a taller centre-back that will dominate aerial battles um James Vaughan played up front for Bradford. He's you know, played in the Premier League. He's a decent, decent striker. Uh, he was their main outlet. I, I wouldn't have said it was too much of a problem as far as I, I was concerned. Do Argyle need a, a centre back in the January transfer window? Yes, I would say so. Um, you've got 
five who can play in those positions at the moment. But Josh Grant is making a pretty good case to, to be staying in the midfield holding role. Will Ameson is out of favour at the moment, um, but I still think one more centre-back would, uh, would be a good, good thing to have. So I, I would expect Ryan Lowe to, to try and address that in January. Air really, you know, Neil, Neil, Niall Canavan is, is pretty strong in the air. He did have a, a poor spell of form in September. Um, that sort of coincided with um, his sort of diagnosis of diabetes and whether the things weren't quite right off the pitch um, for him or not. You know, um, not quite sure. Defensively, they have done well in recent games. There's still room for improvement. Um, do they need a taller centre back? I think they've got enough height. Maybe a bit more pace would be um, be useful because if you look at say Scott Wooten, Niall Canavan, and Gary Sawyer, Jack, none of them are, are quick, are they? Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I would definitely put pace over height. I think you are right. I think defensively. In recent games, Canavan has been good actually at clearing the ball when it's coming to the box. I, I, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice that on Saturday. Maybe, maybe Daz is right. It's not something I took from the game. Um, but we all thought Will, Will Ameson would be that sort of that yeah. sort of player. But as Chris mm. said, he's fallen out of favour at the moment. For me, and I've said this before, where they lack airily is, is from set pieces. That's what, what Argyle are missing, in my, in my view, because quite often with set pieces, it, it's it's rebounded away and, and, and that's it and again we thought Will Ameson would be that person he proved when he was in the team that he, he can have that aerial threat but at the moment you can't change any of this, the back five because they're doing a superb job yeah it's interesting what Dazza says because mm. you don't know if that's a tactic that Ryan Lowe said he might have said you know let him win the header just step, step off him and mm. deal with it when the ball's on the floor yeah so we there are examples where you almost are prepared to let a striker win the ball, but then you go and win that yeah. sec- you go and win that second ball. Um, yeah, like I say, I think a bit more pace, a, a bit more of a pacier mobile central defender would be a useful asset to have. Um, but how easy will that be to to bring in in January? I don't know. You could be looking down the the loan route from a Premier League or Championship club. Somebody like Zach Liner. Um, I've just done the Argyle team of the decade um, update for centre backs this morning, and and I've included Zach Ryan, and he he didn't play many games for Argyle, but the games he did, he played to a very high standard alongside Sonny Bradley in a team that nearly got in the League One playoffs, and his strength was that Bradley was the big tall man that would go and win the headers and be really physical. And Viner had that bit of pace and mobility that he could sweep around the other centre back and. Uh, and, and tidy things up. So if you could find somebody like Zach Liner was in that season, uh, that would just give you that little bit um, more flexibility in defence, I think. But, um, but fair play to the defenders that are there now, because mm. with a, there's obviously there's still a month to go, anything can happen before the transfer window, but you know, perhaps a month ago, we would have said that any of them could be cha- being, have the chance of being moved on, possibly. Yeah. But they're all making a case for staying now, and it's testament to their character, because they've all gone through some very tough times from last season conceding 80 whatever it was goals in League One so mm. not starting mm. this season particularly well but they're now suddenly keep keeping good results against top teams and keeping themselves in recognition well, I was going to say after the, the Devon Derby game of course we had Andy Bacon on the podcast didn't we and he, he was quite vocal mm. in saying he just didn't feel that the defenders were good enough and to be honest the stats back that up yeah, absolutely so. yeah they did, they did. So, I mean you, anyone who saw that that guy you couldn't couldn't argue with it it was yeah. it was awful but uh They've obviously done quite a bit of work on the training grounds. Jack's right, there's a, a slightly different ethos about the team in terms of they don't play out from the back all the time. They are going 
I would say long as such, but there is more emphasis on getting the ball forward a bit quicker, I mm. would say. And, and that does seem to be having an effect. And sometimes in football and in sport and all sorts of things, sometimes you need something to go almost like horribly wrong to, to realise yeah. that things need to change. And a, a bit of a wake-up call, I suppose you'd say. And, and hopefully, when we get to the end of the season, um, we'll look back on, on Exeter and say, well, that was bad at the time and you know that no one's ever going to forget it. But perhaps in the long run, that served Argyle well, rather than just carrying on as they were and being a bit up and a bit down. But that will only be proved come next April and May, won't it? And also, you know, no defence is perfect. You know, Argyle's goals conceded isn't as bad as a lot of teams in and around the playoffs as well. You know, there are some exceptionally good defences don't concede many goals, but there's a lot to do as well. I think if you ask any manager, they'll say the same thing, and that is that they learn a hell of a lot more yeah. from a defeat than they do from victory. As long as you don't lose too many games. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Another, another question we had sent in was from uh, Leo Riley. He finds the pre-match music too depressing. <laughs> Why can't they play stuff to pump the fans up? Jack, what was being played pre-match? I, I went to the pub before and watched oh, the football, so I didn't get in. <laughs> I didn't get in the ground till about quarter. Like he, he's ago. doing the real fan experience. Yes, yeah. What time did you get in on match day? Well, I was watching Spurs and went and parked on the road, so I probably got in about twenty to three. Yeah. So, did you notice anything, Chris, with the music? Um, some of it is quite stirring in a sort of operatic sort of. Well, I was going to say that the, the um, run-out music is the mm. um, obviously the same thing that we Sem- have for the podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. Semper Fidelis. You know, I, I'm assuming that Lee means in the sort of the twenty thirty minutes yeah. before kickoff building, and there are some clubs that do put quite an emphasis on playing some sort of up tempo sort of music that can get people sort of you know moving their feet, get you know, but get them almost get the fans warming up before the game starts, like a little warm-up for the fans. Um, what I would suggest to Lee is, is contact the club, Andrew Parkinson at the Chief Executive. I know that he and people at the club are, are trying to improve the match day experience. They've done lots of changes at Argyle. Um, you look at the concourses, look at, look at all the TVs that are around in the concourses. There's the family fan zone outside the uh, Devonport end now, which I think will become bigger when the grandstand is open. I think they are trying to make things more, you know, user friendly, get people there at the ground earlier so they're not like Jack watching the football in the pub at 22. They might be able to come and do that in the concourses at Argyle and things like that and spend their money at the club. Um, so if, if, if Lee feels that, I would suggest um, contacting Andrew at Argyle and um, I'm sure they'd value the feedback from the fans. Um, there's, there's an annual survey that's done regularly uh, in coordination with the Argyle Fans Trust. So I think Argyle are, are open to listening to people about the match day experience. So I'd say that to Lee and anyone. Um, contact the club and see what, uh, see what they come up with. What I, what I would say I noticed in my 20 minutes before the game kicked off is <laughs> actually the sound was the best it's been. I don't know if they've got new speakers or something, but the sound... I've been very critical, actually, of the sound in the Mayflower end. I'm sorry, Mayflower end, I'm talking about the Lindhurst end. Because half the time I can't hear what's going on. I can hear the music, okay, but when people speak, I can't hear it. On Saturday, it was much better. I I, I will check this because I'm pretty sure there was a new system or it was different. Yeah. I walked into the ground about quarter to one, one o'clock, and um, for for some reason they turned the the volume right up and it was almost like ear splittingly loud and it it felt like there must be a new system. I'm hoping to see. Argyle's head of operations, John Back, this week, and that was one of the things mm. I was going to ask him: was it was that a new system or an upgraded system? Because it did sound different to me. So because before, um, you know, when they do the halftime bit, I can never hear what they're saying. 
but I, I could before the game I could hear the, who was in the team and it, and it was great and it, it's, I've, like I said I've been a heavy critic criticizer of that so I'm glad that's been sorted <laughs> critic um, I know there's some clubs that actually ask fans and say you know what songs do you want played pre-match mm. and then they compile their pre-match playlist, playlist. Yeah. so maybe our goal could do something like uh, that absolutely like, like I say I think it'd be worth contacting if, if you know like Lee or yeah. people have got I think Andrew Parkinson one of the reasons he's Argyle's chief executive is to improve the match they experience at Hog Park not just in the in the grandstand in terms of the corporate hospitality that they're going to be providing, but the whole experience for the fans. So, I would I would recommend. Uh, hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I would recommend <laughs> contacting him and we'll be bombarded um, with emails. <laughs> I tell you what, I did like that Argo did a few years ago. Is is they had a different player would play their music before each game yeah. in the, the program. Mm. We used to have their their mm. tracks that they like, and I quite like that because you yeah, get to know a quirky. bit of the person behind the player. And yeah, I quite like that. So maybe that's yeah. the thing they could bring back. What I would say. Don't go down the route of Buckland. Do you remember that, Chris, in pre-season? Oh, yes. I do remember that. You'll have to share this story. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let, let's say that the song choice, choice wasn't, wasn't fit oh. for a family audience. I think there's lots of um, rap and Drake and all this sort of stuff. And it was rather offensive yeah, to say the least. We were showing our age that day, weren't we, Chris? We were. We were. I think we, it was our sort of, we were both glad our sons weren't there that day. Because we, we might yeah. have had a bit of explaining to them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, finally the guys for the first half of the show um, we did mention it earlier mm. League 2 is so tight it mm. really is um, Cambridge Morecambe and Macclesfield up next for Argyle mm. I don't want to say these are winnable games because <laughs> it, I, I mean they could conceivably go and lose one, two, three of those games that's just how League 2 is isn't it I'll, I'll hand you over to our resident betting expert on, <laughs> Jack, on, yeah. on this Jack if I was next but I wouldn't be sat here I'd be setting myself up <laughs> on some island somewhere <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. And if our goal Touchwood work, no, Touchwood they don't were to lose all three games, you know, it'd sort of undo some of the hard work, and that's the thing of League Two football. But you're right, they are winnable games. But half-time winnable games, you don't end up winning. So the Morecambe game in particular, you know, that would have been a dead rubber before. Bar Exeter, that is the game I now want us to win the most because you do against four managers. Yeah. You know, I remember when. Um, Obviously, Ian Holloway left in, in more controversial circumstances, and I remember going to Leicester away, and you wanted that win. I remember going to Stoke away when Pulis left Argyle. It's part and parcel of it. So Derek Adams coming back, that game will be interesting. Um, but yeah, the three winnable games, but they're sometimes the most dangerous. I know it's cliche, but as we've said many times on this podcast, it's a cliche because it's true. Yeah, and Cambridge are another team, just so unpredictable. One minute they're fantastic, next minute they're you just don't know. Don't you well. just don't know what you're going to get from Cambridge, do you? They're no. they're really up and down. Morecambe had a had a really poor defeat uh, at the weekend although they did have a player sent off Macclesfield um, I haven't checked up too fully recently but clearly there's a lot of issues going on off the pitch there yeah. isn't there they've lost in the FA Cup when they effectively fielded their youth team didn't they because the first team haven't been played um, I'm not quite up to speed on where that stands at the moment and what kind of mm. you know club and, and team that Macclesfield will be putting out um, what's that four days before Christmas so um, yeah it's hard to believe you know those three matches that you mentioned Stuart uh, December and once you get past yeah. Macclesfield that's basically halfway through the season and um, crikey you know where did that all go and you get into the new year and then thinking of a holiday well <laughs> yes <laughs> and also thinking about how the, the place the race for the top seven in the second yeah. half of the season is just going to be I mean it, it, the way it looks now it there's going to be loads of teams going for loads of different positions in the, the final ten games of the season It's it should make for for some really entertaining exciting tense games what, what do you put it down to do you think there's just a lot of good teams in League 2 
Um, or do you think the standard is just a lot worse than it is in, in League One last year? It's a, it's a little bit difficult because I mean, there's a di- there's a definite difference between League One and League Two. There's, I think you certainly no, play more football in League One than there's, there's League no two. doubt in my mind. I think when Argyle, it seems to me like when Argyle have been in League Two recently, there was always some, some quite big hitting, really strong teams. Mm. And you know, I'm thinking of Luton's and Portsmouth and and, and teams like that. And having seen Bradford, they're, they're not bad. I wouldn't rule Bradford out of finishing in the top three, but I can't see them running away with it or, or doing anything like that. Um, Bradford and Argyle really are the two biggest teams in inverted commas, Swindon as well. Uh, there's, there's, I just can't see anyone running away with the, with the division, no, can I you? I don't think no. there's any teams in there with a, a gigantic budget, as in, yeah. don't get me wrong, there are some teams that clearly have much better budgets than some of the lower teams mm. but on the whole I think it's more even than perhaps like Chris said the mm. last few times I've got to be in League 2 because mm. you always had some big hitters um, one, one thing I did notice that one fan mentioned on Twitter and it's quite interesting is that Argyle have played the top 5 all the way from home at the moment which is you know some of the big hitters Swindon, Forest Green Crew, Exeter City and Northampton Argyle mm. played all 5 of the top 5 away yeah. from home so that's a good point I think also job. when you look at the top end of League 2 there are some sort of smaller clubs there Yeah, but they've just They've got that consistency of having the same group of players for a while and they're just well-run clubs. And so. it's so tight. It just goes to show Newport were right up there. They're now down to 11th. They've got, yeah. they've got a game or two in hand, but <clears throat> a couple of wins. I know you always say well, it. But... Newport were won that room my accumulator at the weekend, so they lost at home to Oldham. Yes. Which sort of sums up which not, many people, which not many people would no, have predicted, exactly. would they? But I, I, I think that though this season it might end up petering out between almost two halves of the table. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if you saw 12th and 13th having ended up with a 9-point or 10-point gap at some point. Yeah, but the gap now is only a point at the moment. But yeah, I, I see what there's you There's a gap it's... between the playoffs, for example. The, the Bradford and Seventh have got 30 points, and if you go down to Mansfield in 15th, they've got 21. So there's already a nine point gap there, mm. so that could stretch. But then Mansfield are one of the teams that tip to do quite well. Scunthorpe yeah. on a bit better form at the moment. Anything can change. Mm. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, staying in League One and talking about that in a more sort of generic way. Um, you know, we know how tight the league is. I think January is going to be such a massive month in terms of recruitment. Whoever recruits really, really well in January, it's probably a simple thing to say, but I think they will go on and, and win promotion. There'll, there'll be a fair few teams that will be looking in January thinking, if we sign some good players, we've got a chance to get promoted. And I think sometimes that's not always the case. And like you, like you said earlier on, the top three spots are still up for grabs. You know, in some previous years, you've had, you sort of guessed, you know, who's going to finish sort of first and second. And they've been battling for the title and then it's been the ones underneath that. So, mm. yeah. I, I also think it's not so much down to who signs. I think it's what clubs lose certain players as well. Mm. I mean, we talk, we spoke about... Um, Owen Doyle at Swindon earlier this season. I mean, yeah. that is just such a strange situation. You know, you've got Bradford, who are, where are they, fifth in the league now? Seventh. 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 You know, and they're, they're, they've sent a guy out on loan to Swindon who's the top scorer, not just in League Two, but in the whole of England. And, you know, and Swindon could table. be a team that deny Bradford automatic promotion exactly. or a playoff place this season. It's, it's That's going to be an interesting story, I think, in so January. I think the lower down the leagues you go, you're, you're right, Stu, that the players, it's whether you keep your best players. Is, is how important it is rather than necessarily adding to players yeah. uh, adding new players and um, because when you're in League 2 you've always got the possibility of a championship club or a League 1 club coming and, and getting a, one of your best player for a relatively cheap fee for them but then you find it very difficult to, to replace that player in January mm-hmm. so 
Argyle wise, you know, you look at the squad. There's obviously a little bit of time before we get to January. Things can change with injuries and what have you. But you know, goalkeeper looks fairly settled to me. The wing back positions look fairly settled to me. Uh, the central midfield looks fairly settled. There's lots of options up front. Um, would you like a, a a striker that could get you more goals? Yes, you would. Everybody's looking for one of those though in January, aren't they? So they're they're not easy to find. Which is where I I go back to, you know, central defence. I think is an area that that would be high on my shopping list of of getting somebody. But as it stands at the moment, I've got a fairly injury free. You can't carry too big a squad. One for financial reasons. Two, you don't want players hanging around that know they've got no chance of of playing. It's finding that balance of having a workable squad that gives you plenty of options, but doesn't have players that are out on the fringes and never playing. Um, so if, if you assume that Argyle aren't going to lose many players in January uh, because other clubs are going to come and take them and I don't foresee that really happening that I would have thought maybe one or two additions in January but they could be the they could just be that little difference that just gets you over the yeah. over the hump and makes a difference between finishing outside the playoffs and in or maybe finishing in the top three rather than in the playoffs it's just one or two players that I think could make from an Argyle perspective anyway and maybe this is why it's beneficial that Argyle is sharing the goals because there's not a star man at the moment so perhaps if we had an Owen Doyle that scored 16 goals a club would be coming in from in January at the moment who are you going to pick well there's not a star man they're playing quite well as a team I'd say yeah I mean if you look at the current Argyle squad and we're not trying to sell Argyle's players up from under them <laughs> <I know, but laughs> yeah, um, there isn't an obvious player no. that a, a higher division club would you know come and pluck him away and, and make you an offer you, you couldn't say no to. Not, I, I don't think so. Do you, do you Jack, really? There's some that have obviously got big names like Danny Mayer, yeah. for example. But yeah. in terms of how they played this season, I think it's quite a level playing field. Mm. So, you know, if you're looking for a striker, for example, you're not going to come in for Dom Telford, Joel Grant or Byron Moore. You're going to go for Owen Doyle, for example. Mm. If you're looking for a midfielder, I'm sure there's other ones you, you look at as well. So, yeah, um, I think Argyle, in a touch wood, are in a fairly safe position in terms yeah. of they might be able to keep the bulk if not all of their squad. Yeah, and the fact that those many of those players you mentioned have only just signed for the yeah. club as well, it's mm. even more likely that... Even Sarsvik, like I said, he's played superbly, but I'm not sure that... You know, I don't think they'll want to leave people, right now. Would someone want him necessarily? You know, mm. I don't know. Possibly mm. not, and that's not anything against him, but it's good for Argyle, and if they can keep mm. their team, like and as Chris said, others that they're battling for promotion with lose some of their best players, and that will leave Argyle in maybe a good position without strengthening too much. It's, there is sometimes a, a, to be a case to be set for just going under the radar a little bit and not being right at the top not getting all the headlines and things like that and uh, you know Ryan Lowe said in his press conference afterwards to, to a question well I don't want to get up there too soon and um, I think you know there is don't you, don't you think Stu sometimes I mean some teams handle it Argyle did very well the, the season they got promoted under Derek Adams they were top virtual you know the top three all season weren't they and they handled it but there is a, a case to be said for, for just you know yeah. ticking along and then January, February, March then then make, make you move and uh, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out but there is an argument for that there are definitely some fringe players that probably need to move yeah. like Tafari yes. Moore I feel like his career is stagnated he's not going to play for Argyle again and I'm sure he'll be wanting to leave to try and find a club you know I hope he finds some somewhere and you've got to look at the likes of Zach Rudden maybe mm-hmm. he's not been playing much recently he should mm-hmm. It's very small glimpses that he's got something, but maybe he'll go. So it depends what happens with the loan moves. Yeah, you know? you've got George Cooper's loan, you've got Zach Rudden's loan, uh, you've got Tafari Moore. So there is scope for 
possibly players leaving. Jo Jose Baxter's obviously left, you know, recently. And uh, Clark, uh, Billy Clark. Billy Clark's uh, another one, you know, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. So if they go, for example, then you think, yes, yes they're going to need yeah. a striker. So Billy Clark and Zach <coughs> Rudden go, that's well, two strikers. Alex Fletcher as well, you know, he's, he's Alex not Fletcher's at all, so. No, exactly. So, um, you, you know, you need to go and get games. Luke Jeffcott's doing quite well at Truro <coughs> and playing regularly. Cardi Lollis has gone to Dorchester and scored a, a couple of goals for them already. Are they, are they up until January, those two? Mm, yeah. And there's no point in them coming back and they're not no. going to play. They might as well stay and keep playing football and then reassess next summer. Absolutely, yeah. So, defender for you, Chris. I Anywhere think defender... Defender... Um, and maybe possibly. a striker, depending on what happens. Yeah, maybe a striker... I just think it's so difficult. It's going to be so difficult to find a striker. Yeah, I, I think Jack's probably right. If you think that at least one of Zach Rudden and Billy Clark won't be at Argyle beyond January, which is likely, mm. if at least one of them's not there, then you would bring somebody else in to try and get you up to the five, six strikers again, and then you can leave Lollis and Jeffcott uh, out on loan, getting games for for their, for Truro and Dorchester, and uh, continue their development. But and you've got. Um, strikers that you feel that you can work with in the in the first team. So I suppose yeah, central defender, and assuming that one of Rudden and, and Clark go, then a, another striker. And, and maybe if a central midfielder if Cooper goes, because at the mm. moment if he doesn't get games, I can't see him staying past January. But then maybe well. there's an opportunity for Adam Randall to come in. And yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that he is consistently in the squad. He's not playing many games, and I'm sure he'd love to be playing games. But that does tell you something that. Some players come in and out off the bench and yeah. things like that, but every game, Adam Randall's on the bench. And to me, that says a lot about what Ryan Lowe and the coaching staff think of him. Because he's not gone out on loan. So he's that... not gone out on loan and he's always on the bench. Mm. Players come and go off the bench and, and things like that, but he's always there. So, you know, keep an eye open for him. He's someone that, that they clearly have got, you know, good thoughts of and... This season, he's already played a fair, a reasonable amount of games in his first, you know, his first year as a pro. Remember, but uh, maybe he's one that next season we'll be talking about um, a little bit more. And again, he's emerged from sort of nowhere because at pre-season, I don't think anyone would have really thought he'd be no. definitely not leading a team out as a captain. No. So, and, and that's the thing, Ryan had it put him as captain in pre-season, so that again shows that he thinks a lot of him. And certainly losing Sangster as well, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. so it's yeah. Probably is slightly yeah. a weak area. Yeah. As we say, though, uh, away from the league now after a, a, mm. a good sort of recovery from Argyle and into the FA Cup against Bristol Rovers. No, points, no points. No anymore. points this week, Jack, no. <laughs> <laughs> but a place in round three, should they win? We were talking about what Chris could do on this Saturday. And it's a final of Celebrity X Factor this Saturday, Chris. So you can Is watch it? that, maybe. Because you're going to have a rare Saturday off. Celebrity what? X Factor. <laughs> Never <really> said. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny Jones has just gone out though, so there's no footballers in that one. I'll right. just stick to why I'm a celebrity. Okay, I'll have to take your word on that one, Jack. But yeah, I, can't, I am looking forward to the cup. It is a nice break from the league, especially in the second round because there's potentially huge prize at stake, isn't there? The third you round. You've got your ticket, haven't you? I've got my the, ticket. Yeah. Got my ticket. Can't, Tweeting away about it. Can't, can't wait to go up on it. It'd be weird to go up on a Sunday. I can't remember the last time I got played on a Sunday. Oh, okay. You could have. Oh, well, end, end of season, wasn't there? The... Did, did we play a Sunday game? Sunday? Gillingham away last game of the season? That was two years. That two years ago. That was two years ago. That was two years ago. Sure, that was on a Sunday. Yeah. Well, I can't remember. It, all, it was two years ago because I wasn't that. I didn't go to mm. the end one. Yeah, it all blurs into one. Yeah. Two o'clock kickoff. More importantly, just yeah. just worth yeah. worth bearing in mind. So um, when and you... even that though is a little bit of money for Argyle. I think clubs mm. get twelve and a half pounds. Twelve pounds, don't they? So. Yeah, they did. They 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 do. So it's a little, because 
um, it's, it'll be sort of featuring in that that uh, BBC Final Score programme where they have like about eight games and then when there's a goal they, they go straight to the ground and, and capture it so that's why um, Argyle are playing on Sunday this time yeah it's it's interesting we played Bristol Rovers three times in 2019 but all of those have been at home park so it's um, different to go out to the Memorial Stadium there's loads of connections as we know our goal chat podcast friends, Graham Coughlin and Martin Starnes, uh, manager yeah. and um, chief executive at Rovers. So it'd be good to um, to catch up with them. Of course, the league is a priority. Everyone knows that. Everyone says says that. But if ever there was a season for Argyle to get into the third round of the FA Cup, draw a Premier League team at home park, this is the season with the new grandstand about to open, um, with the capacity uh, available capacity then at eighteen thousand. Um, with all the new facilities that Argyle will have on offer to, to fans and corporate people and things like that. It, it, you know, the Argyle officials must be keeping everything crossed that, that Lux shines on them. And uh, if, if, if they got a big Premier League team um, first weekend in January, Jack, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, the grandstand, we haven't mentioned it and just quickly mentioned it in passing. And I, I think the feedback I've seen has been pretty good. I, th- I think the new st- the grandstand looks looks good. I like it. I like the fact that it's retained the character of the old stand, but has obviously got a lot better modern facilities. And it, I thought it looked great empty. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it with fans in. And I'm just hoping that if Argyle and Swindon are both up near around the top of the table, that New Year's game when it's going to be fully open, the, you know, home park could be pretty close to eighteen thousand on New Year's Day, and it'll be a a great occasion. So. Fingers crossed that happens and it will be um, be a good occasion. But yeah, Bristol Rovers, tough game, tough yeah, game. They're they're, they're, they're doing well, really well, aren't they? I mean, well, I think they were. I think it was maybe three 0 up, and Shrewsbury pulled it back to three three, and Bristol Rovers showed the character to get a late goal and win four three. So it won't be an easy game. There's been some great games up at that ground over the years. Mm. There's been a fair few three two wins, um, and and um, and the likes over the last few years. It's very cold if you're working in the press area I know that and I, but I won't be there on, on Sunday yeah wait till you're on the open terrace it's even colder yeah I mean, <laughs> is that where I am well, I'm, I'm sat I've got a seat so oh you'll be behind the goal oh you'll be behind the goal yeah. so I'll be alright will I not yeah. into the elements I wouldn't need my windscreen wipers my glasses <laughs> so. it's like it's a typical sort of rugby stand that little um, mm. it's like yeah. a temporary thing isn't it yeah I think they called it a temporary one when it was put in about 10 years ago yeah, and it's, it's still there it's still there but Rovers have been really strong I think you know Graham Coughlin is an Argyle legend and mm-hmm. he's done a fantastic job at Rovers he, he went in steadied the ship replaced Daryl Clark who, who'd done a good job over a number of years so that wasn't an easy person to replace he steadied the ship he got them to, up to the semi-finals of the EFL trophy I'm not a big fan of the EFL trophy as you know but nonetheless <laughs> he looks good in, <laughs> he looks good in his CV that he got them to a semi-final and uh Jacks, perhaps, are you looking at the league one table? I am, They're top, top ten, aren't they? They're ninth, one point off the playoffs. Yeah, so I think that's a, a, a fantastic yeah. start to the season. They've got a good striker who scores a lot of goals for them. Liam Serkham in midfield, former Exeter player, is always fired up to play against yeah. Argyle. Um, More importantly, they're, they're um, 15 points off the relegation zone. And where they were last season, I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, remarkable. They've made big progress. Well, so. Something else worth pointing out as well, I remember speaking to um, our, our colleagues up in the Bristol area. Uh, at the time, Argyle were looking for a new manager because, of course, mm. Coco was one of the favourites mm. for the job at the time. 
and they were pretty sure that had he been offered the job, he, he would have taken it because the Rovers fans, mm. although we, we spoke about the good job that he did towards the end of last season, mm. they really didn't warm to him mm. too much. But the, the funny thing is, though, you know, he he went in last season, and I won't be able to about this too long because it's our goal chat, not Bristol Rovers chat. But you know, he went in last season, and he had a job to do. He had to try and keep them up. You're not gonna, he, you're not gonna be playing mm. fanciful football in that scenario, and. The fact is he's pushed them on now. They're now one point outside the playoffs and they scored, like I said, four goals away from home on Saturday. They're obviously not doing a bad job. I think he made some big calls on, on player contracts as mm. well over the summer and allowed a couple of um, sort of crowd favourite or fan favourites to leave Bristol Rovers and I think that's where a little bit of the I think when you're questions some, were coming from. Yeah, I think when you're somebody like Graham Copland who hadn't had a, a manager's job before... You've got you sometimes, and it, and you're not necessarily a household name. You have to prove to the fans that you know what you're doing, and by doing what he did over the summer, like you said, and then getting them to ninth, one point outside the playoffs. You know anybody objectively looking at that, saying Bristol Rovers near the midway point of the season, a point outside the playoffs from where they were when Graham Copland took over, roughly this time last year. Not quite the same, but you know, not yeah. not a million miles away. That's that's a big improvement. Yeah, fair play to him. It's his first job in management, and he's yeah. and he's storming it at the moment. So it's it, having talked them up. That's a it is going to be a tough game for Argyle. But if you can't be confident after being on the run that Argyle have been on, and you can go there, it's not so much. People say is the pressure on it or not. You want to win every game, but it's not the end of the world if they don't win. So they can go out there, play with a bit of freedom, and um, you know, hopefully get a good result. And then we we can all get excited about a, you know the possibility of a third round draw. It's a good test as well because you yeah, know, Ryan Lowe undoubtedly wants Argyle to be in League One, and if they yeah. can hold their own against a League One team that are ninth in the table, then it's yeah. it's a good sign, isn't it? Mm, so yes. good yardstick, really. Ben Copland's not going to want to lose that either, is he? No, no. he's not. And Ro- Rovers have won to win it for their own reasons. They want to get to the third round and get that plumped every, out. So. Every club in League One and League Two is thinking the same thing when you're yeah, in the second course. round, isn't it? Please let us get through and then draw a nice big team that will make us a real, yeah. a real payday. At home, live on the TV, then you can make some serious amount of money, which comes just the right time with the January transfer window wide open, and that could make a difference. Could Absolutely. Not wanting a draw, though. No, I mean, we have enough games in the season anyway. I mean, yeah, uh, it'd be nice to get it over and done in one yeah. I'm sure, ev- I'm sure everyone would say that. I'm sure yeah. Ryan Lowe would say that. You don't, uh, I can't imagine, for example, that Argyle are going up there hoping for a replay. They'll want to get the game mm-hmm. over and done with on the Sunday and hopefully get through to round three. And the draw's on Monday night, is it? It yes. is, yes. But we'll be recording the next podcast before then, of course. Yes. So hopefully with Ryan Lowe as well. Hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Chaps, thanks ever so much for your company as always. That's thank all you, we have time for this week. And a big thank you to you out there for listening as well. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.